Hello and welcome to Blockbuster Nights. I'm Eric. And I'm Megan. And today we're talking Romancing the Stone, the 1984 hit starring Kathleen Turner, Michael Douglas, and Danny DeVito. Okay. So, had you seen this before? I have seen this one. Finally! I don't remember much from it. I remember Kathleen Turner and Michael Douglas, and I remember them being in the jungle on an adventure. Right. And I remember mainly just from the VHS box cover, like them swinging on that vine and looking for the stone. Yeah, it is kind of an intriguing cover. Mm-hmm. I personally have never seen this. I'd heard a lot about this movie, but never actually sat down to watch it. So, this was a brand new experience for me. All right, so we like to start things off by reading the back of the VHS box, and I think you've got that one this time. I do, and it starts out, they do make them like they used to. Romancing the Stone has the death-defying pace of the good old days, plus the colorful advantages of today's best cinematography. Kathleen Turner and Michael Douglas star as the adventurous hero and heroine. She's a homebody writer of romantic adventure tales who begins to live the kind of stories she writes when her sister is kidnapped in South America. He's a rugged jungle hunter who comes reluctantly to her aid. Together, they must battle the dangers of the wilds and the equally ferocious men who stand between them and a successful mission. And together, they find love. Their story is told with a wise-alecky sense of humor that artfully balances the fast-moving tension and surprise-packed events the couple encounters. If your taste runs to movies that entertain rather than instruct, you'll find Romancing the Stone just what you're looking for. With witty dialogue, a riveting story, and wonderful stars, Romancing the Stone is pure Hollywood entertainment. Okay, great. I think that's actually a pretty good back of the box. Yeah. And it really tells you what this movie is without, I guess, any of the frills or anything. It's like, if this is what you're looking for, this is what you're going to get. Yeah. So... I like that. that was and good. I also like that the, the front of the box is kind of like a romance novel yeah. from her character that she writes romance novels. Right, I thought yeah. that was kind of cool to incorporate that kind of look to it. That is cool. I, I picked up on kind of the witty dialogue and the cynicism a little bit, I, which I thought was a big highlight of this movie. Mm-hmm. I think it's probably what helps make it successful, at least in my mind. Yeah. I appreciate that. So, <laughs> Okay, so we're just going to go through the movie here, kind of starting at the beginning. We, we start off with a Western scene. We've got the damsel in distress and then we've got the mean outlaw coming into her house and threatening her and <laughs> what's he asking for he, he wants the satchel yeah something was in the satchel i figure maybe gold or something mm-hmm. i don't know and then he decides he wants her too and <laughs> as she's getting undressed she pulls out a knife and throws it right in his stomach which was fantastic and he just collapses over dead which is hilarious runs out of the house and onto a horse but and this is one of the, my favorite lines the has brothers <laughs> Because <laughs> there's all these other guys coming to get her. But then the hero shows up, Jesse. Jesse shows up and kills all the brothers. And we have a tearful reunion between Jesse and the heroine's name is Angelina. Mm-hmm. That'll and, be important later. Yep. And uh, Spoiler alert. And oh my gosh, he gets onto that horse holding her. That was ridiculous. I had that in my notes. <laughs> the way he got onto that horse holding her in both hands. Like, can you get on a horse without using one of your hands? Because I don't know anybody that can do that. That's not appropriate horse riding mechanics. No, I but... Dis- disagree. That was hilarious. So, and then, and, you know, obviously we can sense something's off because there's a voiceover and something, it's a little, you know, something's a little strange about this. And then we come to find out that this is actually not the movie itself. This is the end of a book that Joan is writing. Story within a story. Story within a story, yeah. And we come to... Meet Joan Wilder. Joan Wilder, romance author. The mousy novelist, according to some of the review or the synopsis. <laughs> yeah, I, I think they probably did a good job of telegraphing that of her in the beginning. I mean, she's successful, but we can see that, you know, she's just got her cat. She doesn't have any family. Romeo. And they actually added that cat to make her more likable. 
that was so stupid. Like, hmm. I, that kind of made me mad that that little add-on was necessary to make her. It probably wasn't <laughs> necessary, but it probably just. Likeable. Like, otherwise, she's just a sad, mousy writer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, see, I, I. Romeo, though, makes all the difference. <laughs> Um, but I, I like the, the implication that this is kind of, she like lives for her career and this is kind of what she's dedicated to. It's obviously setting us up to know that Joan needs something in her life, but I mean, she, something wilder. Yeah. <laughs> but she That's writes funny. the, she writes the stories that she, she wants to live. So um, did you see some of her other titles? I saw did a couple, but I, I didn't write them down. They were the savage secret. Nice. Love's wicked kiss. Nice. The ravagers. Nice. Passion's lovely lie. Okay. Treasures of lust. Oh, I like that one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, those remind me, my grandma used to have a bookshelf of these books yes. in her house. And I'd look at them and be like, what? <laughs> well, I don't, what are these? So, the same cover kind of reincarnated a billion times. Yeah. So I'm wondering Audio. if every one of her books stars Jesse and Angelina. Probably a lot of them. So they're just cast in different roles, mm-hmm. for different books. And, you know, Joan has a proper 80s New York apartment. It's not like the 80s that we think of today where everything's like neon and black and white checkerboard. This is like pastels. Everything's like super soft. Everything's a, a variation of pink. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I really felt at home in that, that, that 80s apartment. We, we learn a little bit more about Joan as she's finished off her manuscript. Also, she can't find any tissues, which is telling us <laughs> that this happens a lot. She takes her, her manuscript out and she encounters her neighbor in the hallway, helping her up the stairs, showing us that Joan has a kind heart <laughs> and that she's a good person. And her neighbor just happens to have a piece of very important mail for Joan, an envelope. A from, mysterious envelope. From, we will later learn, her brother-in-law. And then Joan takes her manuscript to her publisher, Gloria, where they meet at a restaurant where Gloria's trying to set her up with some really sketchy looking dudes at the bar. Man, these guys were <laughs> woof. And at the same time, someone is breaking into Joan's apartment. And you know, I just realized this, I guess it's the super who catches the guy mm-hmm. breaking into her apartment right? and he kills him. Like he kills the super <laughs> right there in the hallway, but he's, we never get a mention of that ever again. Right. Like, what do you do with the body? Like, where did that guy go? He's some, just dead somewhere. Some shady dealings going on. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so Watch anyway. Out Romeo. <laughs> right. Yeah. It should have been Romeo. Now that, <laughs> that would have been much better. That would have been much better. Okay. So, so Joan comes back to find her house has been completely ransacked. Fortunately, Romeo's okay. Romeo yeah. is okay. We get a little jump scare. And then, oh, I guess, I guess right before this, we get a scene with Joan's sister in Colombia. So Elaine is down in Colombia. I don't think we quite know why yet, but I think we find out later she's looking for her husband, her missing husband, who is dead by this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she's leaving a house, getting in her car, and some kid in the street like <laughs> throws a, what is that? This was so strange. What was that thing called? Like a bowler? I don't know. Uh, like a, it's like a ninja weapon. A string, yeah. and then you it's like, a ninja whip weapon. it around and. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ninja smacks her in the somewhere. face and yeah. then drives her car away. I was getting yeah. some serious Miami Vice vibes <laughs> from that. That <laughs> seems like something would happen in Miami Vice. Kind of looked like it too. So, and then we find she's driven to this ship where she is taken, kidnapped, and we're introduced to Ira and uh, Ralph. Ralph. Danny DeVito. Right, who mm-hmm. are, I guess, like smugglers of some kind. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is going to be their last job. The, the last yeah. job of, of the, last the last score until they can retire. I guess because 
Ira is just that greedy. But Ralph has some bad vibes about it, doesn't want to do it. So then we're back with Joan and, and Joan gets a phone call. And this is what freaked me out because I wrote down in my notes, it's like, you remember the days when you didn't know who was on the end of the line and you picked up the phone? Yeah. For today, it's like, decline. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Block. Unknown number. Nope. Yeah. No, my heart rate <laughs> skyrockets if I, if I get a phone call. Right? It's like, you're calling me. <laughs> yeah. Nope. No. no. I only answer phone calls I know. Yeah, I mean, wasn't it weird that anybody could just call you at any time and you you have to pick it up and be like, who's this? The horror. Yeah. So Elaine tells Joan that she needs her in Columbia, which mm-hmm. is our, our quote unquote call to action. So Joan, she needs to step up to the plate here. And there's a quick transition and, and Joan is back with Gloria and Gloria is saying, how can she do this? She's somebody who's homebound and she lives in New York. She never leaves her apartment really, or she An does. A novelist. Yeah. And she gets motion sick real easy and you know she can't barely yep. get on the subway without right. getting sick. So how is she going to go to Columbia for her sister? But Joan is determined because she's a good person. She's going to save her sister. So yes. she flies go off to... Joan. Go, Joan. She flies off to Columbia. I didn't notice any motion sickness. She seemed to do fine on the plane. Yeah, she's fine. Gets off the plane. She's good. And she's looking for a ride. And the bus that was... The Muppet bus. Yeah, the Muppet bus. <laughs> Manah, Manah. Right? <laughs> That's what I was thinking the whole time. I was like, where are the Muppets? <laughs> yep. That, on this bus. That was definitely the Muppet bus. A little bit of... Uh, translation confusion gets in the way and then we see the same guy who ransacked her apartment is there at the airport and he directs her onto the wrong bus purposefully so we know something sinister is going on so the bus departs ralph happens to be there at the same time and he happens to see her get on the wrong bus and running away so at this point i'm thinking like wait a minute what is ralph and ira doing like they don't seem like the necessarily like they're the the worst of the bad guys here. Mm-hmm. They kind of yep. seem like it seems like those other guys. Yeah, this other guy might be might be worse. Coming so, in on their turf. Yep. Uh, so we're in the bus for a long time, out in the middle of the jungle. You know, as you do in Colombia, I guess. And Joan's starting to get a bad feeling. She goes up to talk to the driver about, "Is this the bus to Cartagena?" And he's distracted and crashes into a jeep and sends chickens and birds birds everywhere like i just saw chicken fly as soon as the crash hit like this chicken just flew out of nowhere and um, everyone starts walking yep everybody Open starts it. walking yeah and you know like, where are you going it looks jungle to, guess to the next town right what yeah <laughs> like how far away is the next town long way yeah it looked a lot like jurassic park to me did you get that vibe at all a little bit yeah mm-hmm. i saw a little jungly yeah yep. Mm-hmm. Even though, wasn't this, this was filmed, this was not filmed in Columbia. They wanted to film it in Columbia, but ironically, there have been a lot of kidnapping. So oh. they, for safety reasons, they moved it to Mexico. Art imitating life. Exactly. They, or, it was filmed in uh, Veracruz and Huasca de Ocampo, and then some, some portions in Snow Canyon, Utah. Oh, okay. Interesting. Well, Snow Canyon, Utah. What uh, was filmed I'm in I'm not Utah? sure. Maybe some of the Westerns from the beginning. Oh, yeah, that makes that sense. That would okay. probably be my guess. That would be it. Yeah, okay. That makes sense. But she was told to wait for another bus. Yeah. She, so, yeah, the guy, he's, he's still there. <laughs> She's, like, a little iffy about him. He tells her to wait for another bus and waits for everybody else to walk off. When they do, he pulls a gun on her. And we we're obviously see this kind of coming, that he's going to try to rob her because... He wants what's in her purse, which is, we haven't mentioned this until now, I just realized, the map. <laughs> the whole reason this whole the thing's map. going on. So Ira and Ralph want this map. The map of Corazon. Yeah, that was mailed to her from her brother-in-law. And fun fact about the map, it was designed by a puzzle columnist, Dr. Krypton. Oh, that is fun. <laughs> Very hmm. fitting. Okay. If your name is Dr. Krypton, I hope that's what you're doing with your life. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, Dr. Krypton. Thanks for the map, doctor. <laughs> 
All right, so as it seems like all is is coming to an end for Joan, guess who shows up? Dun, 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 the dun. hero, Jesse. It's not really Jesse, but we think it's Jesse. <laughs> she thinks it's Jesse, yeah. <laughs> but it's not Jesse. Yeah, it's Michael Douglas coming down the hill, and he just he Jack starts. T. Colton. Yeah. And what does the T stand for? Trustworthy. <laughs> Correct. Correct. I mean, he just, he comes in blasting with a shotgun like nobody's business. They shot that truck up, but he completely missed the guy. He's a terrible shot. And then he's looking around because apparently it was his truck that the bus hit, sending all the birds flying away. And Jack just shoots the truck twice out of spite, which yep. was fun. And here, here's where we get our classic meet cute. <laughs> <laughs> Where the two of them, she's obviously city girl meets country boy. Jungle man. Jungle man. So so she has to bargain to get to a phone somewhere and she offers to pay him. I thought she was going to offer to pay him a lot more. <laughs> I think he did too. <laughs> yeah. she. I mean, she said, what, 50 bucks to start? Mm -hmm. And I was thinking, ah, that's, yeah. that's and not And he actually, I, I had down that he, it was about 24-ish minutes when he appeared in the film. And he's first build, by the way. Of course he is. This is 1980s. And it was his first action film. Oh. Sylvester Stallone was up for an option. Well, that would have been his weird. <laughs> Where are my birds? <laughs> <laughs> that would have been really weird. I'm kind of glad that didn't happen. <laughs> Along with uh, Christopher Reeve. Mm -hmm. uh, Clint Eastwood, Jack Nicholson, Paul Newman didn't do it because of too much violence, apparently. Too much violence? Excessive what? violence in the movie. Does Paul, does Paul Newman know what he used to do? Like, didn't he used to be a gunslinger? Too much for Paul Newman. Okay, whatever. Well, I like Michael Douglas. I um, loved him in this role. I thought it was yeah. very fitting for him. Yeah, even though you're right. I mean, it is Joan's story, so she technically should be top billed but you know whatever. Hollywood, yeah whatever mm -hmm. anyway so they agree on 375 dollars in travel checks my minimum price for taking a stranded woman to a telephone is 400 dollars will you take 375 in traveler's checks american express of course not a deal i still thought that was not very much i was thinking he was going to demand like a thousand <laughs> Or like two thousand, because I mean, what are her options? Like, she's stuck out in the middle of a jungle. What's she gonna do? Like, do they still have traveler's checks now? Nah, I don't think so. I remember getting those. Yeah, I remember getting those too. And you had to sign them all. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep, I think that's a dead currency now. I'm not. Can you still? I wonder if you could still redeem them. Are they still honor the? I don't even know where you would go to do that. <laughs> a bank? Currency exchange? I don't know. No. So they agree on their price, and they start hiking, and it starts pouring rain, and they get to the edge of a the road and Jack just unceremoniously tosses her suitcase <laughs> over the edge. You got any valuables in that suitcase? No. Yes. All my clothes and things. Uh -huh. You got an umbrella? No. You got a good pair of walking shoes? They're all like these. Uh-huh. <clears throat> okay, let's make some time. You <laughs> I was kind of hoping someone would do that. Yeah. It just, no. Yeah. And the heels, when he cut off her heels. Yeah. That was, it may have been a little later, but I was so mm -hmm. glad he did that. Like, I many a pair of heels wanted to do that, too. Yeah. So can you still walk in heels if you cut off the, the heel know. part? No, That's a good question. Like, you'd be wobbly, because there's a good height difference between the, that's what I was the thinking. toe and the heel. So. I was like, it doesn't just turn into a flat <laughs> immediately. Yeah. Well, like, I know really, that's but... probably what a screenwriter thinks that happens to it. But... I love the line. She was like, they were Italian, and now they're practical. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that, it needed to happen, but I, I still, I'm not sure those shoes are walkable, but we'll pretend that like, they are. Better than bare feet. Yeah, better than bare feet. 
Um, in the jungle. Yeah, and you know they had this whole mudslide mudslide sequence, which I thought was fun. Yeah. That was that was kind of funny. And then they're still tromping through the jungle, and this guy, I forget, what is this guy's name? The colonel? The yeah, bad guy? Yeah, Zolo. Zolo, that's right. Colonel Zolo. Yeah, Zolo. So he shows back up again with a whole army this time and starts... He's got brothers. Yeah. <laughs> got brothers coming back after them. And uh, Joan actually has to cross this rickety old bridge. Uh, did you think the bridge was going to fall? I did. I thought it was going to yeah. fall too. And you know, that's something I like about this movie is it subverted a lot of these expectations a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. So the bridge didn't fall, but she actually she happened to grab onto a vine when she was tripping, and she swung it. And that's we get across. the cover, the yeah. VHS cover. Yeah, that was in the movie. I guess the movie poster. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah. So I, I really like that sequence. I like how that's how they got away from. And I like her landing too. She landed on her, yeah. her bum. Yeah. <laughs> that's exactly how I think a lot of people would land instead of. <laughs> Especially if you've never done it before. Right. Yeah. That was really realistic. Yeah. And then they come upon this drug running plane, I guess, trafficking marijuana in. Yeah. I, did you think it was funny that the the pilot had on a Grateful Dead t-shirt when he's a skeleton himself. Oh, yeah. Or I, jacket, I knew. I, I saw the shirt. I didn't connect it. Yeah. They're settling in for the night. They light a fire with the marijuana. <laughs> Throw in an extra key. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, have a nice little bonding moment, I guess. I wrote this down. What When she said Mondo Dismo, did you catch that? Oh, I didn't even hear that. Okay. What was she talking about? I think she was talking about him, but I, I don't Dismo. quite... I think it was slang, maybe in the 80s. I don't know. <laughs> the snake comes up and he, he gets the snake and that's their... That's their snake snack. <laughs> snake snack. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought it was good. Next day, we get we get a nice little sequence with Ralph. He's on Joan's trail, but he's been kind of hijacked by Zolo, who forced him to drive him into town to meet up with his army. And I noticed Ralph was uh, re- was actually reading Joan's book. He had it, right. he had it open in the back of the car, and then he because I think he originally used it to uh, to see her yeah, what she see, looked like yeah. for her. Her bio picture at the, right. at the beginning with her at the bus stop. Because there is no Google. Right. And there is no image <laughs> search. PG days. So you have no idea what anybody looks like. Right. You can just disappear. <laughs> Must have been nice. Oh, right. So, but yeah, I thought it was funny. He was reading her book. And we had a nice little sequence with him calling Ira and getting his own wanted poster off the wall. I thought that was funny. <laughs> so... Joan and, and Jack are, have reached this little town and they're being watched by everyone in town as they come through and people start following them. They're pointed to the only house in the town with a car and they go up to the door and Jack says, what did, what did he say? He said, didn't he insult the guy when he first opened the door? I think he did. Like by accident? Yeah. And so the guy pulls a gun on him and... <laughs> and then they turn around to find all the other guys there behind them and everybody's got guns on them. And, and then Jack's like, okay, Joan Wilder, write us out of this one. <laughs> yeah. And she does. She did. Oh, because, Go Joan. because it turns out the guy who owns the big house is a big fan of Joan's books. Juanita. He kept calling her Juanita. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just, I thought this was so great that he was uh, such a big fan and that it didn't categorize her books as romance books. It just categorized them as books, you know, mm-hmm. like even like big macho men can read them. Mm-hmm. And the whole town can read them. And the guy read them to the guys yeah. at the door. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and everybody's like, oh, Joan Wilder. <laughs> so and the look on Jack's face is priceless at this point. So this is a lot of fun. Yeah. And then we get a then we get kind of a a chase sequence because Zolo and his army men show up. And then this man who's named, is it Juan? Yeah. Juan is the is the guy who owns the big house. He breaks out this massive like monster truck kind of thing. His little we call it his little burrow or little, his, little mule. Little mule, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's a fun little sequence. And yeah, I like that car, the car chase. Yeah, 
and then they jumped over the river and they're talking about this river like it's an uncrossable river but it really doesn't look much bigger than a creek to me <laughs> it's like you could wade through that but okay like the first river with the big suspension bridge that was yeah, a river yeah. and so then they they finally get into town they finally get to a phone jack's goal has been accomplished he got her to the phone mm-hmm. so she pays him she makes her call. I think it's at this point Jack starts to really kind of fall for her. Seems like it. Mm-hmm. Because after she makes her call, he tells her he's got a room and she can go get cleaned up. And then right. they have a nice dinner and dance. And... and the whole dance scene, apparently, when they were doing that, was kind of impromptu. Because Michael Douglas didn't know he was being filmed oh. the whole time. Wow. So he was just kind of dancing with Kathleen Turner. They were having fun. And unbeknownst to him, wow. he was being filmed. Well, that's pretty cool. That's probably smarter than Zemeckis's part just to capture that natural moment but yeah I, I really felt like it was here where he really kind of fell for her and then of course they go back up to the room and then they decide that they're going to go after the stone themselves because that gives them more leverage with the uh, kidnappers right for elaine rather than just giving, just the map, giving have the map. treasure too yeah and it's at this mm-hmm. point after they decide that we we realize that he was going to steal the map from her and he actually puts it back into her bag which was interesting yeah and she even asks him why why hasn't he taken the map from her yet and didn't he give her a necklace at this point i think he did yeah yeah a corazon yeah yeah he did so the next day they're following the map through what looks like rural oregon to me it does not look like (laughs) columbia but i don't know yeah i don't know what columbia looks like i've never been there so sure it's kind of just this fun sequence of them finding all these landmarks and going all these places they go into the cave and you know they're looking for the the treasure and joan's kind of getting to live out her own fantasy here her own writings which is coming to life yeah (laughs) which is really cool and then they actually they find the jewel inside of a ceramic bunny yeah (laughs) happy easter (laughs) and it's biggest emerald i've ever seen yeah huge yeah i think it's massive as soon as they get it they hear the cock of a gun and there is ralph who has been tailing them this whole time because they were using his car. He was in the back, unbeknownst to them. But uh, he takes the, the gem from her and accuses Jack of romancing, trying to romance it out from under her. Yes, and that actually comes from a jeweler's jargon, which refers to a step in preparing a gem for use in jewelry. Oh, see, that's very clever. Mm-hmm. See, now, I guess, in the far-flung future year of 2021, that term's been, I think, changed a little bit, probably because of this movie. Right. But back then, I'm sure that was a much more clever play on words than it is now. <laughs> and I also like the kind of, I guess, foreshadowing with Danny DeVito when he says the line, now move it before Batman comes home. Yeah. <laughs> because <laughs> who does he turn into? Yeah. <laughs> And it's only Penguin. yeah that's uh, let's see that's in 1992 right so Batman eight, eight returns. years later mm-hmm. that is kind of funny <laughs> wow all right so they get outside of the cave and then Zolo shows up again and there's madness and confusion and Jack gets a hold of the gym and they get back into the car and they drive off but they drive into water trying to get away and then they go over a waterfall and then they both end up on opposite sides of the bank and Jack tells her how to get back to Hotel Cartagena and he tells her that he'll meet her there but the army's still in pursuit, so they have to run. So this is a big, I think, decision moment for Joan because she has to decide whether she can trust him to be there or not. Mm -hmm. So she gets to the hotel. And at this point, 
Joan is very much looking worse for wear. She's been through it. She's a different person than she was at the beginning of this movie. Yeah. Like she's been through everything. So she gets to the hotel. She makes the call because she's still got the map. So she's still got what they want. Right. And Ira tells her to take a water taxi. Named the Orca. Yeah. That, yeah. that was cool. That was cool. That was the name of Quint's boat in Jaws. Oh, 1975. Okay. Hmm. You think that was an homage? I think so, because Spielberg produced Zemeckis' film Used Cars in 1980. And then Zemeckis also co-wrote Spielberg's 1941, which features a Jaws parody. Oh, okay. Well, of, I'm going to say it was intentional I think it's kind of cool. I think it's a homage. Yeah, I, I'm going to say you're probably right. Okay. So she takes it uh, over to, it's like this dungeon area of an old fort or, or ruins or something to hand over the map. She hands over the map. They hand over Elaine and Ira's like, you're free to go. Now, did you think he was going to let them go? <laughs> of course not. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't either, but I think he was genuinely going to let them go because he had what he wanted. Yeah. And I, that's another one of those subversions that I, I noticed. I was like, that's, I, you know, no one expects him to let, you know, obviously there's going to be a double cross. No, nope. right. he was letting them go. Which, again, shows that Ira and Ralph really aren't, like, the bad guys of this movie. They're just, yeah. like, they just want the money. And then, of course, then Jack shows up. He was late, unfortunately. He made it, but he was late, and he ran into Zolo. Now everybody is there at the end. He's demanding to know where the gym is from Joan, even cuts her hand while holding it over the gator pit, and she still doesn't give up the... <laughs> like, I thought that her loyalty to Jack in that moment was pretty commendable, yeah. even after what he had kind of done. Right. And it was kind of cool where they pulled in the parallel with her book from the beginning, where the guy, Grogan or whatever, is like, do you want to... I think he, he tells Angelina, you can go quick like the tongue of a snake or you're slower than molasses in January. Oh, that's right. And then uh, Zolo asks Joan, how will you die? Slow like a snail or fast like a shooting star? Oh, okay. So it's kind of interesting that's how they nice pulled in the parallel. Yeah, her so she, book she really her is life. Re yeah. living her, her... Living Angelina. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I thought that was kind of a strange line, too. I was like, who says that? It's <laughs> like slower than a snail or shooting star. <laughs> I was like, is that a... Is that some... Star? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, but I, I thought it was appropriate. Zolo got his just desserts in the end. And I thought it was funny, too, that Jack was given the opportunity to save her instead of going for the gym, which obviously he chooses. He chooses to, to try to save her, but then he can't because his gun's out of ammo. Yeah. And then he has to <laughs> climb the wall, and Joan ends up saving herself, which was, I think, for the 80s, kind of rare. Yeah. Like, the hero didn't come in right. and save her. She burned his face, mm -hmm. you know, stuck him with the knife, knocked him into the fire thing, and then yeah. <laughs> kicked him into the gator pit. Right? <laughs> I mean, go Joan Joan again. really kind of took, took control of her own yeah. story there. And apparently Michael Douglas is an avid rock climber. Oh. He did it with his dad on Spartacus, a set of Spartacus oh, or something. Oh, okay. Yeah, so he liked he likes rock climbing. Well, I like how he slipped right back down so those rocks. So that wall was right up his, <laughs> his little lally there. <laughs> yeah, well, that's pretty cool. Yeah, so end of the movie, Joan has her confidence. She's done well and, you know. Shine bright like a emerald. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Elaine's been rescued and they, they're both able to return home. Joan gives her next book to her to Gloria, her publisher, which happens to be this story. But she's already written a happy ending, which she didn't necessarily get. Because right. she says they ride off in the sailboat. Yeah. Uh, traveling the world. And then as she's going home, she sees a giant sailboat outside of her apartment in Manhattan, which how did they get that boat out there? <laughs> I don't know if we talked about the sailboat. 
No, we earlier. really didn't. Yeah, but that was he, Jack's dream. Yeah, that was his dream. He had a picture of the boat. Yeah. When the bus crashed, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was in his bus. Because that's what they talked about in the plane, too, was he just wanted his freedom, right. the ocean. Yeah, because the ocean was like his happy place. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. But <laughs> We're the, actually at the beach right now filming this, so it's yeah. appropriate. It is, a, it is a very nice, happy place. <laughs> but, and what was the boat's name? Angelina. Yes. Yeah. Full circle. Yeah, and how did he afford the boat? He went back for the gator because he has on <laughs> new gator boots. <laughs> Poor gator. And uh, he obviously got the gym and sold it, black marketed yeah. it, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Then that's the end of the story. So they ride off into the sunset together on their boat. On the boat. In the middle of the street. Yeah, in the middle of New York City. So what, what was your overall opinion of the movie? I thought it was really cute. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Definitely didn't remember hardly anything from it from when I saw it, you know, like I said, a while back, but mm -hmm. it, was, it was really cute. Yeah, I, I liked it a lot, too. I thought it was a good, solid story. Yeah, it was definitely a fun watch. Yeah. I got a couple of, uh, like, Indiana, Indiana Jones vibes from it. Yeah, there's a whole debate whether, you know, it was like a, a rip from, uh, from it. And oh, I don't think it's a rip. I think there's schools of thought on it. I think... Fox wanted to cash in on some of the success of Indiana Jones, but yeah. I think the screenplay was written five years earlier, but it wasn't, it was sold after Indiana okay. Jones had come out. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, yeah, I get it, but I mean, it's still its own thing. Yeah. I mean, it's not, it's definitely not a ripoff because this is Jones' story and not Jack's story. Right. I thought it was interesting that it was such a hit for Zemeckis. Yeah. Which I loved because it was shown terribly for preview audiences or something and they hmm. um were planning on it being a flop so they canceled or they fired him from directing cocoon oh wow and it turned out to be such a success that he went on to do back to the future which that was the, obviously is yeah not a flop at all <laughs> that was literally the only thing i knew about this movie was i just from I, knowing back to the future trivia i knew that this movie the success of this movie was what led to back to the future happening so and this was also the beginning of him working with alan silvestri okay which i think they've formed their partnership there and i think mm -hmm. he's done a lot of the scores like for every film since yeah with him yeah i i know they they do a lot of collaborations i, I recognized a lot of names in the credits and yeah and Dean Cundy, yep. cinematographer. Yep. Mm -hmm. And the credits were actually the same as the Back to the Future credits. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed. I didn't. Yeah. I did not notice that. Because, I noticed a couple. Because but... they were done by the same woman who did, she did the credits for Romancing the Stone, then went, went on to do the ones for Back to the Future. And they're literally oh. both exactly the same, except for the title card, which is obviously different. Oh, well, that's so, cool. That was pretty. And she said that those two movies launched her entire career. Oh, wow. That's really um, cool. I think we also probably should talk a little bit about the uh, screenwriter. Yes. Um, so sad. Yeah. Diane Thomas, mm -hmm. who unfortunately died only a year after this came out, right? Yep. She'd been working as a waitress in Malibu when producer star Michael Douglas opted her script for $250,000, allowing her to quit her job. Nice. Yeah. And then I think, was it Michael Douglas that got her the Porsche that she actually had an accident in? She wasn't driving. I think it was, she was the passenger, but yeah. And she passed away right before the next sequel came out, mm. Jewel of the Nile, in 1985. Yeah. And that was dedicated oh. in memory of her. It really is too bad, because she had a great, great movie here. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I really enjoyed this one. What do you think? Do you think this is a keep, return, or what would you like to I'd do? I think I'd keep this one. Yeah. yeah I can definitely see rewatching re this one a lot. Yeah. I think this is just a good, fun, popcorn type yeah. of movie. I, this is... A keeper for me, too. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. Okay. Anything else you want to add? I do want to add that there is a emerald that exists in the world that is kind of like the El Croissant. Ooh. It's called the Bahia Emerald. Ooh. It's one of the largest emeralds in the world. 
and oh. it's over 750 pounds. Whoa. 80,000 carats ish. Whoa. It was found in the Bahia mines of Brazil. 750 pounds? <laughs> 750 pounds. And I think it's rumored to be over 400 million plus dollars. So there you go. Okay. Well, so, I'd like to romance that stone somewhere. <laughs> I, I'd just like to romance a small portion of that You're stone. Right. Perhaps one four hundredth of it, <laughs> an I'll, eighth of a carat of that stone. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll take I'll take a bit of that action. Yeah, but I was wondering because I was like, how fun would it be to find like something a gem that huge? Like, well, yeah, but you can't you can't lift that. Yeah. Like, how do you get it out of the mine? <laughs> well, that's something. See that that's that's because it's in big. controversy. Like, it, there's a bunch of like oh, I bet it is controversy around that whole emerald and oh, where sure. it's at now, and Everybody. it has its own story as well. Oh. So. Go check that out. Yeah, I bet everybody the wants Bahia a Emerald, everybody. piece of that one. Mm -hmm. All right, well, thanks so much for joining us on this episode of Blockbuster Nights. Be kind, rewind, and we'll see you again next time. All right, see you next time, everybody.